I wish Daniel Brule would have just done the deed as he as he should have. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on, one of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me. Listen to you about what right? Because I have a right to be. Uh, I have a voice. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the Following Films Network. And speaking of the Following Films Network, for our episode episode today on The Zookeeper's Wife, we have Hyro from True Bromance. So thanks for joining me, Hyro. No, thanks for having me, buddy. I'm a huge fan of the show, and I'm glad to be here. And I almost believe that. That's that's pretty good. Uh, so, I even did it in my white guy voice. I was just trying to really sell it. <laughs> really go for it. Uh, so before we get into the movie, why don't you tell people, uh, the like five listeners I have who haven't heard your show yet, why don't you uh, tell them about your show? We are the True Bromance Film Podcast. It's just really just me and a buddy uh, hamming it up and kind of using movies as an excuse to, to banter and drink beer and throw things at each other. So um, I guess the the... the, the the best way to sell it would be, you know, if you want your film criticism or film discussion with kind of lowbrow humor sprinkled in or really lowbrow humor is probably the driving force, then <laughs> this is the show for you. The True Bromance Film Podcast. Uh, let's talk about The Zookeeper's Wife. So this week, I mean, basically there were two two relatively big releases. I mean, we have we have this and we have Ghost in the Shell, which you're covering on your show this week, right? We are. We are. So, a- a- excellent Ghost in the Shell. Award winning. <laughs> Your most anti- most anticipated of 2017? Yeah, not so much. I was I was dodging that bullet this week, so thank God a movie with Jessica Chastain came out. So, what did you think of The Zookeeper's Wife? Well, after the the brief nap that I took in between The Zookeeper's Wife, I reflected on it and I thought that uh, the story was obviously compelling. Right? It's it's Schindler's List in a zoo, as you so eloquently put it. I was like, don't steal uh, my lines. That's <laughs> When you put them out there in the ether, when you put them out there, they're they're in the public domain, buddy. Let's not let's get crazy, and it's not that creative. Let's be honest. It's, creative it's, enough for you to steal, but not really for me to protect. That's I'm trying to saying. bond with you. I'm trying to you know give you sort of props by saying like somebody's going to steal your stuff. No, the movie is fine. I think that it takes a really compelling story and delivers it in a really uh, bland sort of way. There's nothing dragging you kind of over the coals here there are a couple sequences that you know obviously pull at the heartstrings and they kind of hurt to watch but uh uh, all in all i mean the movie's fine i think they left a lot of meat on the bone Hmm. see i think i like this movie uh a fair amount more than you do it I mean, I think there are i think uh, one of the most impressive things about it to me is of course this is in if you take it at Take a look at it generally. It's definitely a movie you've seen before. I mean, we have movies about the Holocaust. They've, in a lot of ways, it's almost an easy topic to pick to do a movie on because you know you're going to get that heartstring pull for sure. Because right. unless it's, it's unless you're completely yeah. heartless, like or you know, uh, unless you're a Nazi, like maybe those are the only only two groups where it's not going not going to get to you. But I right. I like the fact that they kept they actually kept most of the violence in this film. 
off screen and implied like there's you know there's of course i mean i don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a sequence you know with the blitzkrieg and with the kind of animals being in danger but there were a lot of opportunities in this movie for this movie to be really bloody and really gory and really over the top and i like that they just depended on their actors and especially jessica chastain who of course gives another just fantastic performance like i think she really carries this movie probably to heights it might not necessarily deserve, but I think the director knows that too and really leaned on her performance. I'm going to disagree with you on Jessica Chastain. I thought her performance, based on her skill level, right? I 100% respect her. I think she's one of the best actresses working today. Agreed. So you kind of hold her at a high bar when she brings her, her, Tilda Swinton, Amy Adams. These like great actresses we have working today. You hold them at a higher bar. So when she rolls at me with this like goofy accent, and this uh, and this kind of meek way of speaking, and maybe that's the way the 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 character spoke. You know, I'm sure there's some sort of like video us or something, you know, or maybe from the ladies' podcast that she picked it up. But uh, it, it was it was very distracting. I think Jessica Chastain hits the high notes really well. You know, when there's a there's a sequence where uh, there's a a faux kill, um, mm-hmm. and then you know, and there's a reunion sequence, which we're obviously that's. Like it's up on a tee box, you know, for her to hit it out of the park where she just really pours it out. But other than that, I mean, she's it's a baseline performance, in my opinion. I don't think she really elevates the material at all. I mean, her nipple elevates the material. (laughs) There it is. If if you want to start that (laughs) nipple gate. (laughs) Yeah, this is what Hiro and I talk about off mic. (laughs) Like, just like I was not expecting that like random topless scene in this movie. And it. And, like, let's talk about that for a second, because it was actually really strange. Like, I was watching it the movie. It came out of nowhere. It did. And especially a A-level actress like Jessica Chastain, like you mentioned in our chat, like, kind of, you don't have to do this. Like, what do you, you can, you can call your own shot here. You could write your own scene. You could say, I'm not doing that. And it made me wonder, not that I'm complaining at all, but made me wonder, like, what was the, what was the point behind this random moment of nudity between her and her husband, which wasn't during a love scene. It wasn't during a sex scene. It was just them talking and making decisions about their future. Well, I, I think they had just finished up. Let's let's be honest. You Fair know, enough. They're, they're both naked. <laughs> He's smoking a cigarette. It's true. He's got like a couple <laughs> beads of sweat or, you know, her hair's tussled and the nip is poking out. And I, it was so distracting. It came out of left field because I, I don't know what it serves, you know, and, and you and I had this discussion about you know why it's there which is we actually got into some serious like story breakdown based off of this nipple thing and i don't think that and to me it's indicative of, of the movie it's it's something that isn't needed it's it's like the director didn't know how to frame this story that's already great you know what i mean like it's it's something about the framing and the way the director demonstrates this this subject matter that just feels a little off and and that's a really good example of it i mean there's moments where it could skyrocket and go crazy maybe seeing a little bit more of that violence would would help but i don't know i mean because i felt myself kind of emotional there's a sequence where there's a bunch of little kids kind of holding their hands up for uh for jan kabinski to kind of pick them up and put them on the train where you know the 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 train to busan basically um and that's that's rough to watch. Yeah, because those kids are, uh, you know, very very young age that have that that look in their eye of of innocence and woof. But like you were saying earlier, man, that shit that comes with the territory, man. It, it, right. It, 
that's not something that that you have to craft or create. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen Schindler's List in a long time. I'd have to go back and watch it again to see kind of what Spielberg is doing to really. Next time uh, you have five hours free, just, you know, whatever. Schindler's List. And actually, I feel like the the director, uh, Nikki Caro, who actually uh, directed one of your favorite movies, uh, McFarlane USA, uh, that you were pumping up last year. I need to revise my entire (laughs) critique of this film. (laughs) So um, I thought of you immediately when that director. Nikki Caro, is that a male or a female? I don't know. I don't know this. Female. female. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah. Great, great director. <laughs> Best movie of the year. Um, Love but I, that movie. But I do feel like she was most comfortable in that, like in the opening act of this movie, when it's it just be it's just you know all the scenes of the zoo and the animals and the interactions there, the the kind of the scene with uh, Jessica Chastain and the baby elephant. Like it's it's really sweet and it's really well done, and I think it actually provides a lot of really cool character moments for two or three of the main characters in the film. But I think once we get to the the ghettos of Warsaw and the kind of underground railroad situation they have going there it it feels like almost like for me pacing wise that she like went to the well one too many times like one yeah. too many trips to the Warsaw ghetto where it was like okay and it and it sounds awful but as an audience you're like okay i get it the Holocaust is really bad. Like I'm get this shit out of my face. Like you're I don't like that. I don't need five like trips to, to get the message. I'm good. You're the Penn State trustee. You're like, <laughs> I'm sick of hearing of these so-called rape victims. Ah, no, see, see what, heart. <laughs> see what we I'm, are. Hashtag. <laughs> no, that's save that uh, for Brendan Cassidy. He's the Penn State guy. I'm, not. <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing of these Jews and their death and destruction. God, no, but like in, it off the screen. In a two hour long movie, like every scene is it's meant to show you something. It's meant to um, to put something out there on the screen for us to take in. And when you have four or five scenes that essentially tell us the same thing, that like these people are in danger and this is really terrible to watch, then it starts to be like, okay, but let's get back to the the story that makes this interesting and makes this different. And I think the way this was set up, the whole the whole like hiding them in the zoo and getting them to a new place, that's the interesting thing that this movie does. And that's that's something different that we haven't seen before. And I kept wanting to go back to what was going on in the house because I kind of unfortunately know what's going on in the Warsaw ghetto. Right. And I think that uh, you hit hit a note here with uh, Nikki Caro. Uh, there was a sequence that kind of stuck out to me as an example of how that story is flowing and flowing and flowing. And then she hits like kind of this wonky, she throws this like wonky thing that's meant to like, I guess, shock you or strike your heartstrings. And it's where, uh, where Daniel Brule's character is shooting a bald Eagle. <laughs> I, I'm like, it's a little much. Down, the symbolism is a little heavy handed. Like, <laughs> and then stuffs it and mounts it in his office. So you yeah. never, and they have two or three scenes in that office where you just see this bald Eagle over his right shoulder. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, I got it. Thank you. Mickey Caro. Jeez, man. <laughs> so speaking of Daniel rule, what did you think of his performance here? I'm assuming you hated it. No, I think it's fine. I mean, but the thing is, he's done it a million times before, hasn't he? I mean, he even did this in Captain America. I mean, like, yes. It's the same thing. He did it in uh, in uh, Inglorious Bastards. He did it in Captain America. It's, it's kind of the same thing with uh, Daniel Brown. I'd like to see him kind of spread his wings a little bit more. It reminds me of old Casey Affleck doing the brooding thing over and over and over. <laughs> like, okay, got it, man. And everybody eats it up. Like, here's this Oscar. You know, whatever. <laughs> I think it's for the me. eighth time you play this role. <laughs> 
think for me, I was pleasantly surprised with his character because when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, he's the standard German over the top villain. Like the only thing they show in the trailer is him, you know, asking her, like, what do you have in your zoo? Like that. It's, it's like and big doing the, like, doing the salute. Right. Know, they show her that. Yeah. But I liked at the beginning of the film, like these two characters are not friends, but they respect they respect one another and they have a working relationship until kind of everything goes to shit in Poland because of the Blitzkrieg and because of the Nazi party. So I liked that there was a little bit of growth with that character, but I felt like I felt like there should have been a little more. I felt like the transition from him being a respected zoologist who's friends with this person to, you know, the villain who who who's hiling Hitler every other every other scene was a little quick. And I know it's a it's a quick story, like things change very quickly in history, but I would have liked one or two more scenes that showed that transition instead of just going from one to a hundred. Yeah, I think that the you, you again. You 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 might as well sold this right off my page. I've got this note down about the transitions in the movie, where time is also depicted really poorly in this movie. Like you you know, one second you see her, you know, arguing with Air Heck, and then the next minute she's giving birth. Like what the hell just happened here? You know, who hit the gas? Here? I think I think I had that moment, especially when all of a sudden her her son aged like six or seven years seemingly overnight and they kept... yeah, he's like he's as tall as lebron james <laughs> right all of a sudden. like what happened he's just as tall as she is like what happened yeah. here and they kept kind of flashing like the year on the screen but it was like so it was so relatively quick yeah. and unimportant that i was like wait a minute how much time has passed and that actually took me out of the movie because things have changed so drastically in what i felt like was maybe a couple years and it just didn't seem <laughs> to like quite match up <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um but i also liked i can't remember his his name but the actor who played her husband i thought was also really good i liked absolutely i liked their interaction their their relationship seemed seemed very grounded and very real and later in the movie when they start having when they start having issues you can understand both points of view there's not like there's not like a villain in this relationship you understand why he's upset and you understand why she's doing what she's doing so i thought that was handled really well no i agree with you man i think that he he definitely wasn't the prototypical equivalent of her where she's such a beautiful woman right and like you would expect to be brad pitt in this role or or you know just this stud of a man but he's he's a plain dude with like great honor though you know mm -hmm. what i mean like a great sense of character with this guy and you could see why she like treasures him right i mean because right. he's got He's going above and beyond what he has to do. I mean, because that guy could be just chilling in his zoo, hanging with his marsupials and his reptiles or whatever that are freezing in the cold in Warsaw and just chilling out because he doesn't have to do any of this stuff. But he's putting his neck on the line, as mm -hmm. is she. But I, I, I would assume that a woman of her character finds that attractive and finds that endearing. So, And, and I think he really resold that for me, him and his old snaggle teeth, man. It was perfect. <laughs> yes. I think before we go to spoilers, there's two things about – uh, Jessica Chastain's portrayal, like both her acting and what's written in the script that I found really impressive. And one is that it would have been very easy to make this a prototypical strong female character and make it a little bit too modern. But you could actually see in that relationship with her husband that she does she does turn to him as an authority figure, as she as someone during that time would like during the 30s. You have those traditional gender roles still pretty intact here but right. she still comes off like a character of her own she is not even though the movie is called the zookeeper's wife she is not defined by him 
she's not defined by this job that well, he I think, has. I think it is. She is defined by him. I mean, like, it's the zookeeper's wife. It's not like the zookeeper. You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 the, the title of the movie, in it's inherently a depiction of her role in that marriage. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think it's fine because, like you said, it's it's indicative of the time. And and you're right. I mean, I think she did she did kind of make the choice of, you know, having that meek voice, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of mild mannered, very light, but uh, at the same time, kind of doing what she has to do to 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 save people and 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 try to hold her marriage together. Yeah, I mean, she's fine. Cairo <laughs> from True Bromance. She's she's all right, you know. One of the best I, I actors mean, of our generation. She's fine, I she guess. She is. That's and that's why I hold her in such high such a high standard. I mean, you know, she should be up there with like Meryl Streep just, you know, nominator, nominator. Uh, but uh yeah, I thought I I just I guess she gets lumped in with a movie where it's just kind of Plainly laid out there with a couple of wonky scenes that uh, stick out pretty badly for me. So, uh, so at this point, since you bring up there are a couple scenes that stood out for you that kind of uh, may, maybe not ruin the movie for you, but definitely stood out in a negative way. Let's let's go to spoilers so we can kind of talk freely about that. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So, what are the wonky scenes that stood out for you? Well, I talked about the uh, the, the the bald eagle that uh, <laughs> really sticks out, but there's a sequence where they're kind of going through the Warsaw ghetto and stuff, and there's a lady taking like pictures in front of it, and it really reminds. <laughs> oh yeah, you the of, like, tourist moment. I was like, get the fuck out of here! But can you? Okay, I got it. They're all super callous and they're monsters, and yes, like it was just so on the nose and. Um, uh, you know what I was really frustrated with is the kids in this story. Okay. Those, guys, those damn kids, it's, man. It's like Mike is here. I don't even have to worry about replacing. <laughs> Settle down. This is the good looking version. Um, the kids are always a mess. You know, the one is like drawing the star of David on the wall. Look, you're hiding out. You won't think you're, somebody's going to come inspect this. Like, can you not put your, your religious sort of. And not only that, uh, like the year, like let's, yeah, let's like, date it. Like so, those lines. So she <laughs> like can't say, oh, that was from 1923. That's. Nope. nope. It says this was drawn last week. Whoops. And then you've got the sun. What a little jerk off. First, I felt that was the dad. most that was the most contrived sequence in the movie. It's the one thing that stood out to me as a real negative. Like one, the chances of him like sneaking out and being seen in the Warsaw ghetto, being followed back there, and then being dumb enough to say Hitler as kaput as this guy who could kill him at any moment is walking away. A moron like, child, man. Just a moron <laughs> child. Just like good, good, God. brave move there, but uh, not the smartest move. I wish Daniel Brule would have just done the deed as he as he should have. Which remind. So Daniel Brule, let me come into his def- his character's defense. Okay. Heck, let me defend. Mr. Let me defend Heck. the Nazi. Please take that. <laughs> Go ahead. You mentioned earlier that it was a little measured. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the prototypical, you know, mm-hmm. horns on the head character. Right. And I, I, I think that the character shows a lot in in the sense of he's very smitten with her. Mm-hmm. So he kind of restrains the, you know, the heavy hand that he could lay on it. Towards the end, he finally just, you know, pulls out the gloves. And even then. He doesn't have the heart to do it, like to kill the child. Right. He doesn't have the heart to do the things that he probably could Even do. after she says, you disgust me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and look, you've been, you've been, uh, I don't know. She came there trying to 
like trade sex for her husband. It was very obvious. You know, she's unbuttoning her own shirt. He's like, what you getting the deal? This is a very common scene that we see in movies. And yes, she finally lets go and says, you know, you disgust me. But I feel that he showed a, a modicum of strain. At least it added another layer to his character mm-hmm. that, that that's a little different than we normally see. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think I think his performance is good. It's just it's the tiniest bit underwritten. And granted, the movie's already like two hours and ten minutes. We don't really need to extend the runtime anymore. But I think there could have been more done with his character. But one thing I was going to mention earlier that I also really liked about the script is that given that it's the zookeeper's wife, it would have been really easy for her to be a character who always does the right thing and always makes the right choice in these really terrible circumstances. So I really liked that at the near the beginning of the film, they decide, okay, we're going to house this person who is our really good friend, has been our family friend for years. And then her husband comes to her and basically says, what about everybody else? Like really terrible things are happening. And her immediate reaction is to say, no, it's too dangerous. You know, housing our friend is one thing. Housing a bunch of strangers is another. And again, this is another bit of moments that I wish would have been stretched out a little bit, that they would have had a longer discussion about deciding to bring in people that they don't know. But I thought it was a really interesting take that you have a character who you're meant to bond with, who at the beginning is kind of like, ah, you know, helping strangers. I don't know. I kind of want to live through this, you know, so I like that she didn't always do the perfect thing. So basically you want to interject that and trim out all the all the violence and killing. Like, look, I'm tired of watching all this this trauma. We know like that. that all of that is happening. Got I think it. <laughs> you had mentioned you had mentioned playing on the heartstrings. What did you think about the sequence in Warsaw with like the 11 year old girl? What's you know what I'm talking about, right? Where the soldiers kind of take her into the alleyway. She comes out. There's like blood running down her leg. Like the very. I was, I was asleep during that. Oh part. Jesus! <laughs> I was. I told you I was asleep. I, the movie put me to sleep. It was fucking. Well, boring. but you saw the scenes later in the movie with the little girl who like didn't want to speak and was the one doing the drawing. She was raped by okay. two German soldiers. Oh. Was like kind of brought back in by by the zookeeper. I was wondering what the hell her problem was the whole time, the whole movie. I'm wondering what's wrong with this chick. Oh god, you're finally, the worst. <laughs> finally, finally, we get something about like the little brother. I was like, oh okay, she's seen trauma. She's seen her family die. I got it. You know, that's where I was. And the whole you time. don't. Apparently, I you don't got figure it. Out what the hell was wrong with this kid? Like, why won't she talk? She just got rescued. Like, she hit the lottery. She, you know, she's in the zoo. There's furry animals. She's being protected from the freaking. She's got a rabbit. I mean, what else do you want? There was a kangaroo in there somewhere, man. Like, what can a kid doesn't? My kids would kill for a kangaroo up in here, man. <laughs> but yeah, that. I had no idea. I was asleep during that crap, man. I was out. All right, I was, uh, I was I was like the one o'clock special with it was a packed house with all people with white hair, man. Yep. I, napping was the thing to do. Everybody was asleep. <laughs> you are you saying you were peer pressured by old people to nap? Is that, is that what's happening here? When in Rome, my friend. To... <laughs> when in Rome. All right. So any uh, any last words about the movie before we close out here? That nipple. <laughs> that's it. That's what you're gonna. That's, that's it. That's it. That's no, it, it, it was. I, I I mean, it's fine. I mean, I think it's the perfect time to release this. You know, don't put it mm-hmm. up against anything good. Like. Like Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> don't put it ahead. Check out our review of that on the True Romance Film Podcast. Coming yeah. Ghost in the tomorrow. Shell, which couldn't beat out the Boss Baby this week. Good choice. That would happen? Yeah. That would happen? The Boss Baby made double <laughs> that Ghost in the Shell did. So. 
why do I keep picking poorly on our show, man? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You can't doing win. You should just do animated films because they'll always make money. You should know this. Parents want their kids to just shut up for 90 minutes and they bring them into an animated film to distract them. So you're going to make that money. Every, even yeah. if it's bad, you're going to make money. So. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I should have done Zookeeper's Wife. Yeah, gone after the old white hairs who can't download anything. They don't know how to work technology. <laughs> I mean, I would like to see your statistics and say, like, break down a percentage. Like, what's the percentage of people over the age of, say, 60 who download a podcast, who understand what a podcast is? Yeah, I I hope it's a big percentage. I want – that's the audience I want. Me and Mike have talked about this, and he's talked about it with you, I'm sure, about how they're the ones keeping independent cinema alive. They're the ones going to see it, so – Come on in. So yeah, I, I guess like we can kind of wrap it up. Hyro thinks it's a decent enough movie. I really liked it. I liked it a lot more, but especially at this time of year, as you mentioned, like the beginning of the year is usually pretty rough. But I think this might be my favorite movie of the year so far. Have you gone to two movies this year? What, no, what I've you... seen a lot of movies this year. I really liked it a lot. It's like this and Get wow. Out are my two favorites, I think. I haven't seen Get Out. I'll be honest with that. Uh, I would oh, still after you just insulted me saying, did you see any movies this year? Sorry, you seen, haven't like, seen Get Out. Movies this year. I, saw, I saw John Wick 2. That's better than this. No. Incorrect. But that's okay. We can have different opinions. It's fine. I thought, quite right. I thought John Wick 2 was uh, pretty good. It was fine. And I thought this was good. Like, I don't think this is going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year by any stretch. But but I really enjoyed it. And I I was happy I watched it. So, um, why don't you tell people uh, how to reach you on Twitter or any other social media you want to give out before we end here? We are at, at True Romance Cast. That's true without the E because, you know, letter restrictions and all that. Um, but honestly, check us out at followingfilms.com. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, we are, we are part of a really cool network there and uh, with a ton of podcasts. And we always post our show there. And uh, I'm actually looking to, like, rebuild our site and uh, and, and maybe kind of feed more stuff going in that direction so yeah you just look us up then nice all right so we will uh take a break and then come back with brit for fangirl fixation where we talk about what's coming out next week and talk about the movie gorillas in the mist hello my name is andrew i'm the host of the last new wave the podcast that looks at the wide and varied nature of australian cinema if you've ever seen an australian film and thought man i wish more people could see that then this show aims to do just that by bringing you reviews of the latest australian films as well as retrospective looks at notable and forgotten films from australia's history the last new wave aims to help further the audience of australian cinema we also aim to deliver looks behind the scenes with interviews with directors producers and actors of australian films such as the director of the man from hong kong brian trenchard smith and the director of all this mayhem eddie martin so make sure to check out the last new wave by heading over to ab filmreview.com for episodes or following on twitter or facebook at the last new wave all right so it's time for fangirl fixation with brit say hello brit why are you so demanding i just it's who i am it's demanding like, guy i want a cracker wait i do want a cracker <laughs> see see so say hello if you want a cracker say hello i'll it's get your crackers you after we're done I was say you won't let me eat it on the podcast no though. you gotta wait till we're done uh, nope all right uh so anything that you want to talk about before we jump into uh brit's film education and what's coming out next week besides those delicious crackers that i'm now staring at yes those delicious crackers those cheese it grooves zesty cheddar ranch who are not a sponsor of this podcast but uh maybe they but will be someday a sponsor of my heart yes a sponsor of brit's heart they're like munchums Ugh, makes me feel so old but great at the same time because munchums no longer exist yeah they just make you sad again yeah all right so uh, this week for Brit's Film Education, so the movies we covered this week were Whale Rider and The Zookeeper's Wife, and uh, I was talking to Mike, which is always a mistake, 
And because I couldn't, I couldn't think like, okay, like, you know, I could do Holocaust movies, but Britt does not want to sit for a three and a half hour long Schindler's List. So mm-hmm. that wasn't going to happen. Nope. Can't do that right now. And Mike's like, well, you know, they're both about uh, women with animals. How about Gorillas in the Mist? And I was like, good enough. <laughs> Sounds good. Still also <laughs> messed up. Why can't we pick movies that make Britt happy? What do you mean? Like, I'm sitting there through the whole dang movie waiting to find out if the dog dies. <laughs> Because and, because I try to look it up, I try to look it up, and all it says is a pet dies. So yeah. I'm like, okay. But spoiler just alert: the dog's fine, right? <laughs> Nothing happened to the dog. Good. So you just worked yourself up with this anxiety. Oh, I had anxiety the whole movie. <laughs> all right. So um, so speaking, so we're doing Gorillas in the Mist, um, which is uh, the story of Diane Fossey, a scientist who goes to Africa to study the vanishing mountain gorillas and later fought to protect them, uh, and stars the Gordon Weaver and. You know, this actually fits in a little bit with, uh, like, more than I expected into uh, Brit's film education. Because one of the goals was to, like, watch all these movies that, like, Dave's always like, oh, I remember that when I was a kid. That's so great. How have you not seen that? Yep. And this is one of those movies I think I watched two or three times uh, when I was younger. It was, I think we wa- I watched it at home and I watched it in school. You talk about, like, how I saw movies too early and, like, how messed up the movies I saw were. It's just gorillas. With their hands and heads being chopped off. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. I actually kind of forgot about how some Why? of the violent imagery okay, in this movie. Like, what happens in your brain that you just forget that bad things happen to animals and, like, don't want to tell me? I'm, I'm lucky, I guess, that I can just this is, this leave is that This is the second by. week in a row. Except John Wick. I'll never forget John Wick because that broke my heart. It, the second week in a row. Then you're like, let's watch this movie that has animals. Oh, I didn't know you had like this uh, this connection to mountain gorillas. That that would affect you that You much. know it's not the gorillas per se, but the fact that it's an animal and it was being mutilated. So aside from the animals being mutilated, which is always a good selling point, yeah. uh, what did you think of Gorillas in the Mist? What did you think of Sigourney Weaver in this role? Uh, I mean, I always kind of enjoy her. I'm trying to think of a movie that I haven't really liked her in. Um, I'm sure they exist. Yeah, I'm sure they do. But, you know, my memory... I think most of them you missed. Like, she was in Chappie last year, which was not a good movie. Well, I started to watch that, and then I left my parents, so I didn't get to actually finish watching it. You missed that part, huh? Okay. Um, Yeah, so... I don't know. Like, I don't... I mean, it had, like, a little bit of a Medicine Man feel to it. Wow, there's a reference. Yeah, I know. Sean Connery's Medicine Man. Yeah. Oh, nice. So that was kind of weird for me. And also, like... Is it just because it's, like, it's a scientist in the jungle? Like, what is the, I, the connection? The the pacing, too. So too slow? Um, Because I didn't notice this had, as I was watching. There were moments where I was like... No, yeah, there was... There's really an hour and a half left in this movie? Come on, yeah, let's there go. Yeah, was, there were was some moments where I was, like, really starting to lose interest. Mm. Um... Why do you think that is? Was it because of the pacing or because of, like, what was happening in the story that you were just, like, not know. interested like, in? I don't know if I'm just, like, in this place where I, like, A, don't like long movies and B, don't make them slow. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, if you're going to make it long, at least make it exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and this definitely isn't, like, an action movie. No. You know? I mean, it's based on real life. It's very much, like, just kind of what happened to her. And I doubt there's a lot of adjustments to the story well and it's like we've we've talked about before of like sometimes you can take you know 20 minutes out of a movie oh yeah i mean you could probably take 40 minutes out of this yeah this movie like there's there like i feel that there's a lot of scenes that were unnecessary to get her story across Mm. and i don't know why that was do you feel like so uh, when i think about like parts that could be cut out i think there's a lot in the middle be cut out. I like yeah. all the buildup of her, like, you know, she's 
I, and I was noticing as I watched it, like, oh, it would be nice if academia was still like this, where you could just, like, walk up to somebody and, like, hey, I'd like to do that job, please. Right. And then they go, okay. Like, she, I think she starts out and she's, like, she's, a, like, she's a physical, ther- physical therapist. What's the for kids. Therapist? Yeah. Uh, like a yeah, physical with, therapist yeah, for kids. Yeah, with the disabilities. Right. And then she just walks in, like, okay, come count gorillas, I guess. You know, like, that's right. not how academia works uh, anymore. Um, but I liked all that buildup. I liked, I liked, you know, the kind of setup with her as a character kind of learning how to do the, how this process works and learning right. the culture. And I liked the stuff at the end where she kind of essentially becomes a freedom fighter for these gorillas. Right. But like kind of once she comes into her own and like leading up to when like the new students come in, there's a lot of lag it's in because that, that like 40 stupid, minutes. like forced love interest. Oh, which, you mean the National Geographic? Yeah. Uh, like, that didn't work for you? I mean... I feel like that could have been tightened up. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it was drawn out. Um, like they could have, they could have done something to make that like a little more exciting, I guess, mm-hmm. or just more succinct. Yeah. Like, like I like, I didn't care about him. Okay. Like, like he was like whatever, and and I don't feel like he did enough to make me feel sorry for her, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, for me, I felt like the point of his character wasn't necessarily to be like, oh, what a great love story, but it was to show what she was willing to give up right. for the gorillas. Right. And that, like, she had a chance to leave with him and live happily ever after, and she was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to hang out in the jungle with these mountain gorillas. Is that cool? Yeah, it, there was just something missing for me to really care about that whole interaction. Mm. Okay, I can see that. What did you like about the movie? Like, what what sticks with you here? Like, uh, some of the like the creature effects, I guess, for lack of yeah, a better term. Say, what did I you think of that? The, all the moments that were essentially supposed to be like the National Geographic parts, like mm-hmm. where she's actually interacting and like learning, and like, right. like the moments like when she's back in her um, hut, yeah. house, Yurt, whatever, whatever it is. it is, yeah. Um, and she's like listening to the tapes and like trying to mimic them and like. That was really That's a pretty impressive moment of performance by her, too. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that she was kind of willing to make herself look like a fool and in ugly. this role a little bit, you know? Yeah, what? and ugly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There weren't, there, there was never this, like, kind of celebrity moment for her in this movie. It was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really give all my, give my all to the role. And I like that she was willing to go that route. So, yeah, the creature effects were done by, of course, by Rick Baker, which, like, any time you mention creature effects, it's usually his name that's right. attached to it. And, like, yeah, there are some moments that kind of stand out as, like, you can tell this is a created thing, like the thing with the baby gorilla. But it's also but impressive it considering how many years later this is. Yeah, I mean, and this was, like, like, 1988 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and except yeah. for, like, the moments where it gets really close up, like, with the baby, mm-hmm. it looks believable. Yeah. Yes, that's the yeah. word. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with that. What did you, my only kind of qualm with this movie, and you're going to get this anytime you have a story of a white lady or a white guy going to Africa, uh, and you have the like, you have the one like super helpful black character who like um, never does it, you know, like her yeah. her guide. And I was just like, we have, and again, 1988, this was filmed, so we're, we're not kind of up to where we are now, but there's always this like one this one character in this kind of savage land that is so helpful, but everyone else is against her. And I was just like, I need, I need more characterization than he's really nice. And that's like all we got from him. Yeah. And he's an important character. Like without him, she doesn't survive. Yeah. I don't think he was given enough. I I can just stop the sentence there. I don't think he was given enough. Yeah. I mean, and I get it. It's about, it's about Diane. Like this is her story, but I would have liked 
almost I would have liked any of the other characters to be more fleshed out. Otherwise, it just looks like here's our one three dimensional character, and everyone else just kind of comes especially in and out. with his intro. I thought there was going to be a lot more mm-hmm. with him because like they made him stand out so much in the beginning, right? And then he just kind of becomes her shadow. Yeah, he just kind of he just becomes like the helper thing to think too. Yeah, I mean, he just becomes the helper for the rest of the movie. Yeah, never does anything wrong. Saves her life a couple times. Always is there to like give like just the right amount of advice. Right. When she needs it, is there for her when she cries. I mean, it's just like, it's so kind of Hollywood standard to do that. And it's a little And her motel punching bag. Because there's yeah. more than one time that she lashes out at him. Right. And he instantly forgives her. Right. It's just like, it's okay. I'm always on your side. It's yeah. fine. You know, no, it's just like, oh, God, like, have a spine. Be a person. And we don't know, like, does this man have a family? Does he have connections other than? It's yeah. just like he is guide. and that's And that's all we get from him. And also the only time we see children knows when violence was being done against them. Oh, other than when they were trying to get bonbons from her. Well, yeah. I mean, but then, ever, like, then everything after that was just like, oh, we're going to use these kids as tools. Yeah, exactly. But I will say, I mean, I think it is a really great performance by Sigourney Weaver. I think she's, I think she's really good at, as a, you know, kind of strong female character at playing hard and soft in the same role. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it kind of started with Ripley and Alien where there's these moments where she is a tough chick. And then there's these moments where she kind of like, you know, kind of breaks down a little bit and is a little softer and just like can't deal with the situation and is struggling. But you never feel like she's weak. Yeah. You know, and there's not there's not actually that many actresses, especially in the late 70s to late 80s that were really doing that. So to me, like she really stands out as a as an actress who, even though she is a lead, is almost in her style is almost more like a character actress because she's not playing the standard Hollywood celebrity role. But do you think that's because she doesn't look like the standard Hollywood starlets? Because I wouldn't Plausible. say that she's would be somebody that'd be categorized as being really gorgeous. Like yeah, probably like, not. not like ScarJo or right. like that. She's not in that category. So does that mean that that's why she gets like the tough chick stuff? Like. That's possible. Like Rosario Dawson and like things like that. Right. But I think it would be easy. That that may be, that may very well be true. And I think it is true. Um, But I'm sure there's plenty of actresses that if you gave them that role in those two extremes, they wouldn't be believable in one of them. Oh, I'm not saying that she's not a fantastic, fantastic actress. I'm saying, do you think she, she, because she sort of got typecasted into that. Oh yeah. And you don't, I mean, you don't actually see that role given to a lot of white women. Yeah, it's true. That is usually a role for women of color. Yeah, because that's usually what and, you I, say. and I wonder if that's because uh, we expect white women to be subservient still in a lot of ways, and that we allow women of color to be angry because then you can like. Also, because I wouldn't say allow to be angry. What well, I would say is only allow to be angry. Right. Like they don't get the right. other side of things, whereas white women actresses get to be the glamorous ones get to be the ones who are softer. Right. Whereas women of color tend to be in these roles of like the, the angry black woman TM. Yeah. You know, you get that a lot. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. And I feel like Sigourney Weaver is like one of those actresses who's kind of towing the line there. Yeah. Cause I like, I'm trying to think of another white actress that gets to be the tough chick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting because now we've got, I think it's it's interesting, like what you would consider a tough chick. Because if you look at movies like um, like Lucy, I think in some ways ScarJo is playing like in the beginning she's playing this kind of weak, 
like this weak woman who is like agreed to things she shouldn't have. But then as the movie goes on, because she gets these powers, she's tougher or at least stronger. Yes, but at no point does that woman get ugly. No. Whereas Sigourney Weaver's characters like fucking break down, ugly mm-hmm. cry, snot, like everything. Mm-hmm. And right now, the white women who are being the tough chick are doing Still it. Still always with, look like, flawless. Hairs, like perfect. Yeah. Mascara never ruins. And I don't mm-hmm. know how much of that is like, and I think that adds too much to the pressure of women too. Like you have to be everything all the time. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, now you can be tough, but your makeup better be on point. For sure. Okay. Um, so, so do you think this is a great movie? Yes. I think it deserves at least one watch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was something that I would watch more than once. Mm-hmm. So what makes it a great movie? I think it gets across a lot of emotion that it, but like, I mean, it does take a lot of time to get through there, but mm. I think it gets a lot of emotion without much interaction. No, that's a good point. Cause most, honestly, most of the interaction is between her and animals that can't speak. Right. So, so it's like, it's showing a sense of vulnerability and connection that we don't really see or pay attention to a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so speaking of any more, do you feel like do you feel like you've seen touches of Gorillas in the Mist in more modern movies, or is this just gone? Is this type of filmmaking not really done? You know what? I can't even remember like a recent film that I would say is in the same category as this, where like the focus is so much on like not only on animals but on the like true sense of humanity. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, what's the most recent thing that we've seen that's all about animals? A dog's purpose, where we keep watching the dog die? That seems Obviously, like a Obviously, Kong idea. Skull Island. Oh, right. <laughs> I've been dying to I make that joke to, this I whole episode. I didn't get to see it. <laughs> yes. Some people would say you were lucky. All right. It's Tom Hiddleston in a tight shirt. It's true. And like, I missed it. I can just get you gifts of that. It's fine. I want a gif of his butt from Crimson Peak. We have that movie. You could just watch it. But then and I freeze to, frame it. I, well, but then I have to keep it. No, it's about the movement. It's about the jiggle. <laughs> is that what you're saying? All right. <laughs> um, so anything else to add uh, about Girls in the Mist before we move on to what's coming out next week? No. No. All right. Cool. So uh, we have three movies coming out next week, kind of, because uh, I added a third one because I didn't want to see uh, and want to talk about any of the movies that are coming out uh, in the theaters this week. So the first movie is... Smurfs the Lost Village. This is the one you want to talk about? No. Oh. That's not what I'm covering. This I is know. this is the reason uh, that I'm not covering a theatrical release this week. Oh, oh, oh. I stopped listening because you were talking. Yeah, that's usually how that goes. So, uh Smurfs the Lost Village, what do you think of this trailer? Pretty pretty great? Yeah? So smurfing bad. <laughs> I feel like this whole movie is a an answer to a joke. Like it's it's the like everyone makes a joke like how come there's only one female Smurf right and like all the Lost Village at least from what I saw in the trailer looked like they were all female okay but if you ever actually watch the freaking show there's only one Smurf because she was created yeah by Gargamel right right right, right. Okay. so that's why there's only one girl I can pretend I like didn't know that just offhand I'm like right yeah that's mm-hmm. that's right um so of course it, like every uh, animated film has a host of Celebrity voices, uh, Ariel Winter, John, Joe Mangianello, Michelle Rodriguez, Julia Roberts, Manny Patinkin, Rain Wilson. I mean, of course, the list goes on and on. Because easy paycheck. Yep. So what, ashamed of yourselves. Was there anything good about this trailer? Is there anything you're interested in because of this movie? Or is it just like completely like no, get I, it like, off my screen? Like I didn't want to see it when 
NPH was in it, and I don't want to see. Did it you now. see the first one? No, I didn't see yeah, the first one. I didn't see the second one. I'm not going to see this one. Oh, is this a this, this is, is three? A third. Oh, I can't even keep track. Maybe it's even the keep... fourth. I don't know, but there was at least two because they had Neil Patrick Harris in them. Yeah, I remember. I remember him being in the trailers for the the original. See, but if yeah. he can't sway me to watch a show. Fair enough. Fair enough. So Smurfs the Lost Village is a big old no. All right. The next movie, although we're not covering, is one that I know Britt wants to see, yep. uh, which is Going in Style, starring uh, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, and my personal favorite of these three, Alan Arkin. Because um, Alan Arkin being grumpy and angry is like the best thing in the world. We, just, we figured out my niche genre is angry old men. Or angry old women. Or angry, just, you just like angry old people. I do. It's like it's like it's like goals. we dream. <laughs> this is what Hashtag you're at. life goals. So this is actually a remake, uh, and apparently it's about you know these three uh, lifelong friends. Yeah, I just found that out recently. Like right now when you were reading. This? No, no, I found oh. it out when I was getting ready. Um, so three lifelong friends risk it all by embarking on a daring bid to knock off the very bank that took off with their money because they're trying to pay their bills. Yep. And it looks like I don't know. It looks like. A pleasant movie. It's gonna be funny. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's, fine. It's you, it's not like all you serious people don't go. <laughs> yeah, Mike. <laughs> You're still mad at Mike. That's I am. Interesting. What I didn't realize well, now because I know Gorillas in the Mist is his fault too. <laughs> so what I didn't realize until um, a couple days ago is this is actually directed by Zach Braff. Had no idea. Oh, that gives uh, me kind of icky feelings. Why? I'm over him. Okay. But he's not going to be on screen. I know, you know that, right? But he touched it. Yeah, I mean, this feels like it's interesting because he's—I think he's directed two other movies, and they're they're very much kind of art house, very much personal movies. Like Garden State was the first one, and I can't remember the second one because I didn't oh, see I it. Seen that. So this feels like this feels like oh well, I need a paycheck, and I've directed before, so I'm going to step in and do this. Like this doesn't feel like a passion project no. in any way. Uh, but what did you what did you think of the trailer? What did, what did you like about it? Because clearly you like this trailer because you say and it's like going to be funny. Men. Okay, what in particular? Like, do you remember moments from the trailer that stood out to you? No, you don't. No, nope. do I just know that there were some jokes that landed for me. <laughs> okay, and for once they weren't about farts. Yeah, that there's first time for everything. It was probably about being old, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the the one moment I remember is Alan Arkin like. Stopping running from the security officer and just saying, this is not an admission of guilt. I'm just tired. And I <laughs> yeah, was like, that's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I love all three of these actors. So, like, even if the movie is bad, even if it's terribly written, I'm going to enjoy it because I, just, I enjoyed them. I just want to watch the three of them rip on each other. It's, it, yeah. like, that, I mean, that's what I loved about Grumpy Old Men. Right. This is just. It does feel a little ripping. bit in that, ripping. in that vein, for sure. It could be ripping, too. Who knows? Yeah, they might be. Anyway, um, so so the last movie and the movie we're going to cover is actually coming out on VOD, on Video on Demand, and it's called The Ticket, uh, starring Dan Stevens. Um, it says, a blind man who regains his vision finds himself becoming metaphorically blinded by his obsession for the superficial. So, Britt, what did you think of this trailer? You have to I, talk now. Yeah, I know. I have no words. Um... First of all, for I, I hate his accent. Okay. Um, it sounds like he has something in his mouth. I know that American accent is not like his first thing. Right. But from what I've seen of other actors and actresses, uh, our accent is supposed to be the easiest. So It sounded like almost like he was trying in that in that one scene where he's talking about, you know, the the lottery ticket. Yeah. It sounded like he was almost trying to do southern. But then the rest of the clips 
It didn't sound like that. Right. So I'm not sure what to think. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know if it just leaves or if he's doing a bit in that in that scene. There's also something about his face in this movie that's annoying the crap out of me. I think it's because he lost some weight. Yeah, he has lost so, some weight. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, like, I don't, it just, it makes me want to punch it. All right. I mean, I think it looks interesting because I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a very clear metaphor in this, obviously. Like, the idea of, like, okay, he's regained his sight, but he's blinded to the important things in life. Like, that looks like no, what mean, it's going to be like. The, so, like, from a story message, perspective, yeah, it looks interesting. The message behind it looks interesting. I think um, I just have a lot of personal bias that's going on right now, and I can't. Is it like Dan Stevens' bias? No, or no, what? I just mean, like, as far as what I want out of a movie. Mm. Like, I don't want shit that's too real right now. There's right. too much drama in my life. So you want like, more disposable yeah. escapism. Yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna like watch stuff that are that's reminding me of people that I wish I could slap. Alright, fair enough. Yeah. Good. Uh so Britt may watch that with me because she won't have to leave the house. Yeah, because uh, more than likely but, because he'll turn it on while I'm on the couch on a heated pad, not able to move. Yep, that's true. That's that's probably gonna happen. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, so that's what we're going to cover. Uh, what? Just give me cookies. I'll give you crackers. We've talked about this. No, I uh, mean for the movie. The yes. crackers happen after the podcasting. Okay. We're not renegotiating. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we finish up this this episode? Um... You want to spew some more hate at uh, Ghost in the Shell? or? <laughs> no, I think I did enough of that. So some of my friends on my on my feed are all like talking about going to it, and it's taking every ounce of my will to not troll all of their statuses about being excited to see it. On every one of them, you should just write hard pass. That's <laughs> it. Like no, nothing against them. No snark at them. Just like yeah, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, and then I saw the trailer for Death Note, and I want to die even more because of all the white people. I saw this great tweet about. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was basically like. Um, do we really need a quote unquote fantasy story about a white person who takes out a bunch of people? Like that's yeah. just real life. That's not interesting. America. And I was like, Oh yeah. School shootings. Okay. Yeah. yeah we, we do that already. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know anything about death note. It's so... again one of those things where like, I mean, maybe it doesn't, but for me, I feel like it loses some of the meaning in the story when it's a white person, because talk about the most privileged freaking human beings okay on the planet. i have a question uh, about this for you because something someone else brought up um so i mean we are definitely in this time where people are a lot more aware of whitewashing like if you were to do things like this 10 years ago there probably wouldn't be that strong of a reaction i think we have a lot more insight into it now but we have movies sometimes where we take movies from you know places in asia whether it be a chinese film or a japanese film or taiwanese film and we just change the setting and change the characters. The same basic story. What I'm thinking in particular is The Departed, mm -hmm. uh, which is based on a movie called Infernal Affairs. And nobody said shit about that. Nobody was like, this is offensive. This is whitewashing. And it was. I mean, they did whitewash that movie. They moved it to Boston and they, you know, cast a bunch of white people. So if they did Death Note, but instead they like, they changed the story. So it was like basically the same, but they Americanized it a little bit and then cast white people how would you feel about that rather than just taking the story and then just slapping a white face on it? I don't know. I think it would still bug me mm -hmm. um, because I, well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't finished reading or watching death note. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I just like recently started. Um, so I don't have a full insight of the story, Sure, but I don't, I don't know. I'm tired of seeing, white people getting more power to like do harm 
And I think... So you think because of the subject matter of this, it's an issue? I think the subject matter is what bugs me. Because not to say that white people don't go through depression and anxiety and like all that kind of stuff. But I think there's more things available to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have more privilege. I mean... Why do we need to go to that level? And I didn't know about the departed thing, but when you, I mean, you know that like, especially with martial arts movies, when I see it being taken by a white like director mm-hmm. that I get really pissed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, personally, it's always been an issue for me. And I'm just going to make you watch Iron Fist. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not putting myself through that. Who am I, who am I kidding? Oh. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Come on, come back to okay, me. Okay, there's a there's Fine. a there's a clothing line that's called Iron Fist, and now every time I get an email for it, I get angry. Like, like I'm, nope, going to, I'm going to unsubscribe from them just because I don't want to see the words Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think the the whitewashing thing. I think it's it's a conversation that takes a lot of nuance. Like I think clearly uh, things like Ghosts in the Shell um, are problematic at best. You know, when you take something that is important to Japanese culture and you put a white, pretty female face well, on it, and see, then that's, it's an issue. that's the other thing is like death note, death note is also something that like the spirits are part of their culture. Right. They're like and that's gods not, and in that's the culture. And that's not something that is in white culture. So like, I think even if you change the setting, it wouldn't feel right. Cause mm. then we would just be like, Oh, this is somebody with a mental disorder. Whereas there is still a very big following mm-hmm. and belief in those spirits and entities in that culture. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. Cool. I'm still I'm torn. All right. So this has been whitewashing with Brit, uh, uh, which has so. pretty much been every episode lately. <laughs> that's fine. I'm just. Get, I, I guess I'm You're an just angry, angry. woman. <laughs> yeah. Just an anger ball. That's all. <laughs> anger ball. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Uh, anything else? No, I'm going to go sit and be angrily eating crackers Angrily eating crackers. Okay. So uh, the next time you hear me, we will be, to pair with that movie, The Ticket, we'll be doing an episode on a movie from 2008 with Mark Ruffalo called Blindness, uh, which you can get on you know, Amazon Amazon Prime or any of the streaming services. So if you want to check that out, feel free. All right. So until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you want. I forget who it was put that like kind of little chat room together a long time ago. Kind of digressing here, but whatever. It's your show. I think um, that was and, uh, Sean from No Totally who put that together. Yep. The, the line chat room. God, that seems right. like and I was 25 like, oh, years ago. Guy's, I'll check out this guy's podcast, Pop Culture Case Study. I'm listening to it. And, you know, you always listen to a podcast. And I, in my head, I always picture what the person looks like. And I'm thinking, God damn, I didn't really realize old people did podcasts. <laughs> I swear to God, man, I would not kid you. I, you look in my head just like Mr. Rogers. Change your name and your identity. You have freed up the past and